and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're set to go against the spread on this week number four of the National Football League season, week five in college football, and it seems to be flying by as we're speaking right now. With that, I want to welcome our co-host, Victor King, into the show. Victor, welcome to the show. Congratulations on a great job last week on the totals tip sheet. I'm sure you're looking forward to this NFL football week as well. Thank you, Mark. Thank you uh, very much. It wasn't just the totals tip sheet that had a profitable week. The playbook newsletter letter did as well. And also, don't forget, issue number one of the midweek alert newsletter also had a winning week. So full speed ahead in regards to our playbook family of newsletters. And we had a good weekend on our service as well. A perfect 2-0 sweep with four-star over-under best bets on Saturday Four-star over of the week, Temple versus the Buffalo Bulls. That one brought home the bacon in a rather obscure game. And then on Sunday, we came right back with a winner in the Carolina Panthers-Arizona Cardinals over the total. So a nice weekend for our service in addition to the newsletters. And we're looking forward to wrapping up the first month of the season here on a positive note as well. Well, Victor, uh, with that, I could say to you, what did you learn last week? But uh, obviously, it's what you learned in preparation to last week because it was a great week overall. But, you know, the bottom line, when I looked over what happened last week in the world of college football, a couple of things that jumped out at me first and foremost is that the Wisconsin Badgers look to be the real deal this football season here. We kind of forewarned everybody in the playbook newsletter that week about the fact that not only was Wisconsin looking to be a legitimate football team, despite the fact that they play two relatively lightweight schools. But more importantly, the Michigan Wolverines are really a team that's pedaling backwards right now as we are speaking. Uh, That was evident in the first half of the football game when Michigan went to the locker room without a point in the football contest, and they were out-yarded almost 200 yards in the football game. So it does appear to me, Victor, indeed, that Wisconsin could indeed be a challenger to the Ohio State Buckeyes at least in the Big Ten Conference. And one other note before I pass it on to you, speaking about conferences, I also learned that the Pac-12 still appears to be down this year, despite the fact that they did crack the top 25 with six teams the week before. This football program is still lightweight, if you will. You take a look at the Stanford Cardinal, a football program that has been really atop the the Pac-12 conference for all of their good and lean years. They've lost their third straight game in a row last week when they uh, put up only six points against Oregon in a football game. That's a major concern to me, that and the fact that Utah, who might be supposed to be the best team in the conference, couldn't beat Southern Cal last week. And one more quick note, Victor, before I hand it off to you, what I learned last week in the Southeast Conference We just might have three teams that are knocking on the playoff door this year between Alabama, LSU, and Georgia. With that, Victor, do you think we could possibly see three SEC teams in the college football playoffs this year? We could very well do that. Very interesting. Since you were on the subject of both the Pac-12 conference 
and the SEC conference, that kind of ties in perfectly to what I learned. And I know you mentioned Utah and their struggles, particularly beating USC last week and Stanford. But what I learned is that I believe the California program is for real. This was a team, of course, that with Justin Wilcox was a top 10 nationally ranked defense last season. They are 4-0 and now. They made the biggest jump in the coaches' poll, uh, leapfrogging, it looks like, seven other teams to go from number 23 to number 15. Eight-spot improvement for California. And while I certainly won't say much about their home wins against Cal Davis in North Texas, no big deal. The fact that they've already got a signature road win against a very powerful Washington program is very, very big. Not to mention... To me, it doesn't matter what team, but any team out west that can travel east and beat an SEC team in that uh, team's home stadium, that's a big win, too, when Cal beat Mississippi last week as a road underdog. Again, that tells me that the, I believe the Cal program is for real, and they're right now number 15, and I believe, yes, they are, the highest-ranked team in the Pac-12 conference. And the second thing I learned, Mark, also is a Pac-12 twist to it. It's that it's possible for a quarterback to throw for nine touchdowns and still <laughs> lose the game. And I'm talking about Anthony Gordon and Washington State, a 67-63 to 63 loss to UCLA. Washington State was an 18-point home favorite. Anthony Gordon threw for nine touchdowns, a game that saw 1,377 total yards, over 1,000 passing yards in that particular game. You feel a little bit. It's amazing. Uh, they can just find the next guy and plug him in there at Washington State. Gardner Minshew last year, Anthony Gordon this year. Every season we get one of these big old games where 130 or more points are scored. This was the one last week. Last year it was A&M defeating LSU 74-72. Two years ago, Western Michigan defeating Buffalo 71-68. But again, Mark, what I learned was you can throw nine TD passes at a game and still lose. <laughs> Unbelievable, but that was the case for Washington State last week in what was the biggest head-scratcher in college football, not only this year, but we can go back a long, long time to see the way that the events unfolded in that football game. UCLA scoring 50 points in the second half of a football mm -hmm. game. In the second half of a football game, <laughs> UCLA scoring 50 points in any football game is amazing. They had only 42 total points in their previous three games right. for the year going into that contest. So that was indeed a big head scratcher, no doubt about that. One other thing I learned, Victor, here, and this is a note I think that people could file and keep for the rest of the football season here, is that the military teams are playing with a vengeance this football season here. You've got the three military teams, Air Force, Army, and Navy, has combined seven and two this football season. They're eight and one in the stats. They've only been out yarded one time in their nine football games this year. And two of those teams, Air Force and Navy, are both mission teams coming in off losing seasons last year. Just mark it down whenever the military teams are dressing up and taking points anytime moving forward the rest of the football season. I believe you'll certainly be on the right side of the money much more than you'll be on the wrong side of the money. That's my take on another observation with the military football teams. And talking about 
in the stats of military teams, Victor, being 8-1 overall, last year, or last week, I should say, what I also learned is that there were a total of 12 teams in college football, and I do this in my weekly uh, inside the stats column that I post at playbook.com every Thursday. It's a really good read into exactly what's happening on the field as opposed to on the scoreboard in the world of college football. Last week, 12 teams in college football won their football games and yet were out yarded in the contest. California being one of those inside out teams, by the way, won the game but lost by 92 yards to Ole Miss and Auburn beat A&M, won the game and lost by 90 yards. That's my other observation of what I learned in college football before we go over to the NFL side of things. Anything else, Victor, that you learned in the college football card last week? No, the only other thing is I agree with you. The SEC has potentially four teams that could make the four-team playoff. I'm not saying all four will, but uh, we're talking the likes of LSU, Alabama, Auburn, and Georgia all have yet to lose the season. Yes, that's true. And keep an eye on that and see what exactly happens as we move forward into the month of October as we approach this, the final week of the month of September for the 2019 college football season. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, Victor, let's find out what we learned in the National Football League side of things. Week number three of the NFL season is now in the history books. And I would say the first thing that I've learned is that might just be the fact that the Buffalo Bills and the Detroit Lions are better football teams than we expected this year, being undefeated after three weeks of football play in the NFL I keep an eye on them to see whether or not they regress. I kind of tend to think they'll come back to the norm as opposed to staying at the level where they are right now. I could almost maybe mention San Francisco on that list too, but the reason I have that caveat of but in there is that I had, we had expected San Francisco to possibly be a playoff team this year, so their perfect start isn't all that surprising to yours truly, but kudos to them nonetheless. They've also gotten off to a perfect start. On the flip side, another thing I've learned in the NFL so far, Victor, is that the Philadelphia Eagles and the Atlanta Falcons are not what they were purported to be this Mm -hmm. football season here. The Philadelphia Eagles are a team in total disarray right now, and I know a lot of that can be attributed to injuries, but Carson Wentz looks like he's really struggling here, and I know the offensive line problems are a big, big part of that factor. But when you've got an MVP caliber type quarterback that's being sacked continuously and doesn't have a chance to perform, that's one thing. The same thing with the Atlanta Falcons. They're simply not performing defensively, which to me is the biggest head scratcher of all because Dan Quinn, their head coach, was a former defensive coordinator at Seattle. And they're just not getting the job done on the defensive side of the football one final take from me, Victor, on the NFL side of what I have learned so far before I hand it over to you is the Indianapolis Colts have surprisingly not missed a beat or, for all intents and purposes, appear to not have missed a beat with Andrew Luck uh, in his sudden retirement uh, announcement here before the start of the football season. They're 2-1 and one to start the football season here. And that 2-1 and one start, Andrew Luck in his career had a 2-1 and one start only one time and here we have it, 2-1 and one this year with Jacoby Brissett and the Indianapolis Colts. So a tip of the hat to Frank Reich, Jacoby Brissett and the Indianapolis Colts on getting off this nice 2-1 and one start thus far this football season. We'll keep a pulse on them to see whether or not they can continue that way. What was it, Victor, you learned on the NFL side of things last week? You mentioned uh, Philadelphia and you mentioned uh, the Colts and, of course, the Atlanta Falcons. Let me throw my two cents in before I throw out what I learned. Uh, in addition to Philadelphia's problems... 
the receivers are dropping a lot of balls. There have been a lot of missed catches that has been very, very frustrating for Philadelphia fans these days. You mentioned the Atlanta Falcons and their problems on defense. That that defense is a nightmare. It's almost like the 2018 version. They made Jacoby yes. Brissett look like Peyton Manning last week in that 27-24 loss, a game in which the Colts punted only once in the entire game. So... Uh, going to be a long season for Atlanta. Uh, that's a team that we're going to have on our over-the-total radar, particularly when they're at home, because they're going to be involved in a lot of shootouts. Now, in terms of over-under, since we're on the subject, what I learned in the NFL was if you whine loud enough, good things will happen. We mentioned last week, I think I went on my rant, the fact that uh, offensive holding penalties in the NFL were holding back over betters. And it certainly was after two weeks of play. But lo and behold, I got a tweet on Saturday night. And in that tweet, it said that the NFL vice president of officiating would be having a Saturday night conference call with all other referees regarding the excessive penalties, particularly holding penalties that have played the NFL through the first two weeks of the season. Lo and behold, Officials threw 41 flags for offensive holding this last Sunday, an average of only 2.9 per game. The first 33 games of the season had averaged 5.7. So holding penalties were cut back big time from 5.7 per game in the first two weeks of the season to only 2.9 last week. And what do you know, folks? As a result, there were 10 overs. There were only six unders. Scoring was back up 10 points to its normal range of 46 to 48 points. So, again, what I learned is that if you whine loud enough, then <laughs> the good things happen to you. Yeah, that uh, that greasy or that squeaky wheel almost always gets the grease, Victor, and it worked last week for <laughs> NFL over-under totals players. No question about that. And i got to say, tip of the hat to you, it's a great job on undercovering, undercovering exactly what's been going on in the National Football League as far as tendencies go, referee tendencies, because each week everybody's got a close eye on the zebras, and it appears these excessive holding calls have come into play, at least from a handicapping perspective point of view. One more quick note on my part of what I learned in the National Football League last week. I'm going to go back once again to our inside the stats focus of which I really concentrate heavily on each week. And uh, in the NFL last week, it was unbelievable. There were six teams that were out yarded, but yet won football games in what I call phony inside out fashion. But two of them right at the top of the list, my goodness, the New Orleans Saints beat Seattle and were out yarded 250 yards in the contest. That's almost unbelievable. And the New York Giants made their debut with Daniel Jones, a successful one, when they rallied back to win their football game, uh, despite the fact that in the contest, the Giants were out-yarded by 115 yards against the Tampa Bay Bucks. So keep an eye on that to find out whether or not uh, those two teams with backup quarterbacks, both New Orleans and the New York Giants, now replacement quarterbacks more likely than, rather than backups, whether or not they can continue this pace as we move forward here. Victor, uh, before we, we're going to shift on to, uh, another thought here, and it's going to be a little bit of a rant here again. And, uh, you know, we've I've gone off a lot excessively, perhaps too far, much more excessively than I planned on doing about the Antonio Brown situation. And uh, I had a big smile on my face when you knocked on my door earlier last week and told me that the New England Patriots had released Antonio Brown. And uh, you know, it was almost a feeling that came across me like, 
I had just won something, or you know, something good had just <laughs> happened, <laughs> uh, especially for the National Football League. And I was really, really gl- glad to see just that. But we'll let the Antonio Brown thing subside again until he himself brings up the next cause or purpose for us going off on a rant. But my rant this week happens to pertain to uh, something that uh, affected both myself personally and our customers personally, and that was watching Freddie Kitchens of the Cleveland Browns being thoroughly outcoached in a football game by Sean McVay in the L.A. Rams Sunday night. And it's ironic because it was Sean McVay who was outcoached by Bill Belichick masterfully in the Super Bowl last year. And we saw the same identical thing when the Browns took on McVay and the Rams on Sunday night. Freddie Kitchens made some of the most bonehead calls that I've ever seen a National Football League head coach make. And maybe it was maybe too apparent because it was on primetime television. And maybe it was too apparent because it was our big five-star NFL play on the Cleveland Browns. But the bottom line to me is I now understand fully why Freddie Kitchens has never been a head coach in his career in any position, whether it's college or in the National Football League, because he's an offensive coordinator and not a very good one at that. Uh, For the plays that he called in that football game here, they were disgusting uh, to point out fourth and nine when you're down by four points with under 10 minutes to go and you're in the other team's territory and you run a draw play. Are you kidding me? And then to watch the football game unfold as it did in the very end when they got down to the six-yard line, first and goal, and to watch Freddie Kitchens draw up four consecutive pass plays in a row, I think Freddie Kitchens, if the Cleveland Browns, and I'm going to go on statement saying this, the Cleveland Browns do not end the season with a winning record this year. Freddie Kitchens will be in the history books as far as former National Football League head coaches go. Uh, I, I understand, Victor, I got a little bit of a, a resentment on that situation or that fact here because it affected me personally and our customers personally. But that was my take painfully watching the Cleveland Browns Sunday night. I don't know if there's any rant that you want to go on, Victor, but that's my take. And I had to get that one off my chest. I don't have much of a rant. I'm going to let our listeners uh, marinate on your Freddie Kitchens rant. That's for sure. But this is a good minute here to throw out uh, some of the numbers from our playbook database uh, a you know decent week, slightly over 500 for underdogs last week. They went eight and seven against the spread. Uh, it's the road dogs that have been bringing home the bacon, not the home dogs so far after three weeks. T- underdogs 25, 22 ATS overall. But again, home dogs have gone five and 11 against the spread. It's the road dogs that have brought home the bacon, 20 and 11 ATS through three weeks. The one situation that I looked at in regards to week four is the best situation uh, throughout the years, according to our database in week four, have been for game four winless road underdogs taking on any less than 500 opponent. Since the 1996 season, these teams in the fourth game of the season have gone 16-3 and three against the spread. And again, it's game four, winless road dogs versus any less than 500 opponent. It applies to two games this week, Washington plus the points against the New York Giants. And then on Monday night, Cincinnati plus the points against the Pittsburgh Steelers. The only other thing I'll throw out in regards to a rant is more of a I told you so. And it was the fact that I, you know, I truly believe that Cam Newton and his injuries have really held back the Carolina Panthers on offense uh, easily over the last 12 months. So we had a little bit of an experiment last week, and we went over the total, 
in Carolina's game, not with Cam Newton, but with Allen at quarterback. And guess what? 38 points were scored by Carolina on the road. It looks like Cam Newton is believed to be dealing now with a Liz Frank injury, I'm told. The plan is for him to keep rehabbing in hopes of returning and avoiding surgery sometime this season. But the experiment did pay off, and I'm a big Kyle Allen fan moving forward. Well, I am too, Victor. He was a five-star recruit out of high school. In fact, uh, at Texas A&M, he had beaten out Kyler Murray uh, for the quarterback position, and that's the reason Murray transferred to Oklahoma, because he couldn't get past Kyle Allen. And Mm -hmm. it certainly looks to be like this might be the move in the right direction for the Carolina Panthers with Cam Newton's better days far in the way uh, in the rear view mirror and Kyle Allen finally getting his chance. It's nice to see that happening with the Carolina Panthers. And uh, before we close the segment out here, this rant section here, uh, and I want to tip of the hat again to Jeff Kabasiak from Canada for bringing this out to us and talking about pointing about these things. And I'm going to let Jeff know this, that for the record books, under Sean McVay, the L.A. Rams were 0-7 straight up and against the spread in games when they scored 20 or fewer points. They're now one and seven straight up and against the spread. Thank you, Freddie Kitchens. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's going to put the wraps on this first segment here of Mark Lawrence against the spread. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I are going to tear apart our college football game of the week. We've got a dandy inside the Big Ten Conference. We'll do that when we come back with more here on Mark Lawrence against the spread. It's time to experience the all-new Playbook Experts VIP Experience. Only the Playbook Experts VIP Experience offers We Pay the Juice, Conflict Game Notices, Tokens Bonuses, SMS Alerts, and Genius Game Alerts. It's the only customer experience of its kind. To find out more about becoming a Playbook Experts VIP, log on today at playbook.com or call toll-free for more information at 1-800-PLAYBOOK. Become a VIP this football season with your Playbook Experts VIP membership. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're going against the spread on this week's National Football League and College Football Cards. It's time once again for our College Football Game of the Week, and we're going to go into the Big Ten Conference where the mighty Ohio State Buckeyes are going to invade Lincoln, Nebraska when they take on the Cornhuskers this Saturday. Victor, how do you see the Cornhuskers and the Buckeyes shaking out from an over-under totals perspective? Well, we got a 7.30 Eastern start. That in itself is kind of rare, a rare night game at Memorial Stadium as Nebraska hosts the Buckeyes. Uh, I'm showing the Buckeyes opened at about a 14-point road favorite. They're up to about 17, 17 and a half as we record the podcast here on uh, Wednesday morning. The over-underline opened 66 and a half. It's up to 67. It's gone up a uh, half point uh, on paper, it looks like a pretty high over-under number until you take a look at the serious history between these two teams. Four out of the last five meetings have gone over the total. Nebraska versus Ohio State, the average line, 58.0. Average score, 72.8. That's a lot of points. The average game has gone over by more than two full touchdowns, plus 14.8 points per game. And the series has been very consistent as well. Each one of those last five games had 60 or more combined points. Uh, That was uh, the case last year as well. 
when Nebraska basically went toe-to-toe with the Buckeyes in Columbus. They were 17 points underdogs in that game. They lost in a high-scoring game, 36-31, to 450 yards versus 481 for the Buckeyes. If you like overs, you got dual-threat offenses here. That is for sure. Ohio State at 262 rushing yards per game and 265 passing. The same goes for Nebraska, 220 rushing, 270 passing. Both teams on offense can basically do it on the ground. They can do it on the air. Uh, Offensively, Ohio State should basically uh, keep on keeping on while this is their first big challenge of the season for a new-look offense. The the recipe for success is pretty clear for the Buckeyes, and I know defensively it will be a pretty stout test here. Nebraska struggled last week versus the um, uh, Fighting Illini, but four turnovers kind of helped write that story. Coughing the ball up that many times is basically an anomaly, and it can't be counted on every week. In regards to this season, Nebraska 2-2 two and two over under. Let's see here. They went under versus South Alabama by nine, over by one against Colorado in a game that did go into overtime under by only one against Northern Illinois, and then last week over the total by a pretty hefty margin of 17 points against, again, the Fighting Illini in their first conference game. Ohio State 3-1 and one over under on the season, over by one against FAU, under by 10 against that very good Cincinnati defense, over by one point against Indiana, and then over by a significant margin last week against Miami of Ohio by 15 points. They've scored 42 or more on offense in every game this season. We're leaning on the over in this particular game. You do want to check the weather forecast. There could be showers, anywhere from about 50% chance of rain in Nebraska, and also some decent winds, 14 to 20 miles per hour. Based on the point spread and the over-under line, predicted final score is Ohio State 42, Nebraska 25. I got this game somewhere around 44, 28, low 70s. I know 67, that they've set the bar high for us over betters, but I'm going to still be leaning on a over-the-total high-scoring game in a wonderful night game atmosphere at Memorial Stadium. Buckeyes, Nebraska will lean toward the over. Victor leans to the over in the Buckeyes-Cornhuskers game on Saturday. Check the weather, he says. There could be some rain in the forecast there, but nonetheless lean to the over in that football game. The Ohio State Buckeyes come into this contest very impressive on the season with four really, really strong wins to start the season under Ryan Day, their new head coach who took over for Urban Meyer this football season. They scored 42 or more points in every one of their football games averaging 53.5 points a game while allowing just 90 total points in those four football contests. And in fact, the Ohio State Buckeyes, tip of the hat to them, this from our Inside the Stats review, they've held all four opponents to season-low yardage marks this football season here. So their defense might end up being the real strength of this football team, although we're seeing a pretty high-scoring output performance thus far this season here. I'm going to note this, though, however, that in our from our well-oiled machine in our database, knowing that Ryan Day is a first-year head coach, I ran this into the database and looked to see what first-year head coaches do as double-digit road favorites when they're coming off a double-digit win. They haven't fared well, to say the least. They're only 38-58 and 58 to the spread 
in my database with first-year head coaches going back to 1990. And in fact, if they're taking on an opponent that comes in off a point spread loss in their last game, that number drops to 18 and 35 against the spread. So a tricky situation for the Buckeyes when they invade Lincoln to take on the Cornhuskers this Saturday. For the Nebraska Cornhuskers, they come in there off that tough loss, if you will, uh, only one loss on the season here to Colorado in overtime this football season here. Uh, other, other than that, they'd be perfect on the season. They did drop a 36-31 decision to the Buckeyes at the Horseshoe last year when they went toe-to-toe with Ohio State and lost the net yards, only 31 total net yards in the football game. They weren't rubbed out like most other teams were last year by the Ohio State Buckeyes. They're averaging 550 yards a game, and they've won their stats in each of the last three football games by an average of 184 net stat yards per game in each of the last three games. They come in here 4-0-1 to the spread they were last year when they had conference revenge. Not very good as a double-digit home dog, Nebraska. I have to throw this in there. 0-4 to the spread, taking double digits at home in this particular role. But this is a different Nebraska team with Scott Frost, their head coach here. He's doing an admirable job. If you go back and you look at this team, since they closed out the season in pretty good fashion after opening up the year with seven straight losses last year, they're on a real nice 7-3 and three straight up and 6-3 and three ATS run their last 10 football games. Scott Frost in his career as an underdog when he has revenge, his team's coming off a win. He's a perfect 5-0 and to the spread in this particular role. I'll grab up the points with Nebraska for my side in this big showdown game between Ohio State and Nebraska on Saturday. Don't go away, guys, and we come back. Victor and I are going to tear down our National Football League game of the week. we got a beauty inside the NFC Black and Blue Division when the Minnesota Vikings travel to Chicago to take on the Bears. We'll do that game and hop out to Las Vegas and check in with our good friend Andy Isco to get the Vegas vibe when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. All new Playbooks tokens are here. Only at Playbook.com can you earn rewards and get up to $100 in free Playbucks tokens to use as you choose. And with your Playbucks tokens, you can use them for Playbook experts' picks and selections. Plus, you earn 20% in free bonus tokens when you do. If you haven't got your $100 in free Playbucks tokens, do so now. Simply visit Playbook.com and click on the Tokens link. It's that easy. That's the all-new Playbucks tokens waiting for you at Playbook.com. If you haven't seen Andy Isco's The Logical Approach Football Newsletter, then you owe it to yourself to download this week's newsletter in time for the football games this week. Andy's statistical and fundamental take on every week's football card is comprehensive and visionary. Many say it's like money in the bank. Check out the new issue every week at TheLogicalApproach.com. See what winning football information is all about at TheLogicalApproach.com. Hey everybody, Mark Lawrence with Victor King, and we're going against the spread on this week's college and pro football cards. With that, it's time for our National Football League Game of the Week. We hop over to the NFC North Division where the Minnesota Vikings take on the Chicago Bears in the Windy City. Victor, your take on the Vikings and the Bears in this black and blue division matchup. This is also kind of a rare schedule for the Chicago to have a late afternoon start. is uh, kind of rare there. A 425 Eastern start. 
Uh, Bears opened up three-point favorites down to about two to two and a half the last time we looked. The same holds true for the over underline. That's gone down very slightly as well. It opened at 39, and I'm showing it right now at 38 and a half points. And in uh, true contrarian fashion, I'm actually liking this game over the total. I know we're talking a fairly low-scoring series. Three out of the last uh, ten meetings have gone under the total. Uh, three out of the last four as well have gone under the total, including one and four over under. Last five played in Chicago. The game's been close, though. Average line, 40.7 between these two teams. Average combined score, 37.3. And that equates to an average margin of minus only 3.4 points per game. Both teams, one and two over under on the season. And both followed the identical paths to get to that one and two record by going under in their first two games of the season and then over in their third game played this last Sunday for the Bears under by a whopping margin against the Green Bay Packers to open the season that Thursday night game under by double digits against the Denver Broncos and then over the total by five points this last Monday night in that road win against the Washington Redskins. Average margin for this season now for the Bears is a significant minus 13.3 points per game. Not quite the case for Minnesota. Under by seven in their opener against the Falcons. Under by six in their second game of the season. The loss to the Green Bay Packers. And then over by five points in that big home win against the Oakland Raiders. On Sunday by five points, their average margin uh, minus 2.6 points per game. I mentioned I'm liking the over, and it's basically tied more into the low over underline than anything else. For an example, out of our playbook database, NFC North division games with a low over under number of 39 or less points have actually gone over the total 80% of the time in the last 12 seasons. And by the average margin of plus 11.1 points per game. So that kind of tells us when the odds makers post a low total in these NFC North division games, the other way is actually the way to go, the contrarian way, the over. Also, I queried week four games in the NFL season that have low over underlines. There's a couple of games this week that have low lines of less than 40 points. These games have also gone over the total at an 80% rate. Week four games over underline less than 40 have gone eight and two over under since 2010 and by an average margin of over six points per game. Uh, both teams scored a lot in their respective victories this past weekend. Uh, here's our final query out of the database, Mark. All division games in which both teams scored 31 or more points in their last game, have gone 10-2 and over-under since 2013, when the over-under line is 52 or less points. So I know it's been a fairly low-scoring series history, but the database is telling me to go over the total. Based on the spread and the over-under line, the predicted final score is Chicago 20, Minnesota 18 and a half. Not a lot of margin for error there. All we really need is a game like 23-20 to 20 final score, and the over hits by five points. So, again, despite a kind of low-scoring series history, we're going against the grain and going over the total in the Bears-Vikings game. 
Victor likes the value to go over the total in the Minnesota-Chicago Bears game on Sunday, but that he'll go over that low total for his side in the football game. The Minnesota Vikings come into the contest with a double revenge chip on their shoulder as they were taken out twice last year by the Chicago Bears, who went on to win the NFC North Division title, while the Minnesota Vikings stayed home and missed the playoffs, largely due to those two losses by the Chicago Bears. So you know that Mike Zimmer will have that thought first and foremost on his mind when he takes on the Bears in Chicago on Sunday. Surprisingly, quarterback Kirk Cousins, who's taken a bad rap since signing that mega contract and coming over and being a mediocre quarterback at best, owns an NFL best 19 straight games of touchdown passes coming into this contest here. So he's done his job that way, finding the scoreboard in the air. He just has to find a better way to beat winning football teams. The downside for Minnesota in this contest, the last eight times that they've come into a game, alpha win of 20 or more points, they lost the money all eight times. On the flip side for the Chicago Bears, they're 7-1 to the spread at home in between road games. Good news for them that way. Also good news given the fact that Mitch Trubisky, Mitchell Trubisky, their quarterback, has performed fairly well at home, going 10-5-1 to the spread at home with Chicago in his NFL career. Look inside the numbers, however, though, that win over Washington Monday night football game when they won 31-15. to The Bears put up only 298 yards of offense in the football game. That's sort of a false sense of security with a win on primetime television. And it almost always comes back to bite football teams after big primetime type football games. We also note this from our database here. The well-oiled machine tells us that division home favorites that are coming off a Monday night straight-up win and cover on the road when they come back as a division home favorite off that Monday night win and cover on the road are just 1-4 straight up and 0-5 to the spread dating all the way back to 2007. Bottom line to me, Mike Zimmer is a masterful head coach when it comes to winning money in the National Football League. He's 28-13 and 13 to the point spread in his career when he has revenge, including a perfect 3-0 and to the money on the road with double revenge exact. I think Minnesota gets the revenge from those two losses last year. I'll play the Vikings plus the points against the Bears for my side in this football game on Sunday. And with that, it's time to hop out to Las Vegas for one of our favorite segments on the show as we visit with our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Andy, I'm going to welcome you to the show once again this week, and congratulations on another terrific job and on a masterful newsletter you put out this week, The Logical Approach. Well, yes, thank you, Mark. And, of course, this week the issue debuts the uh, weekly spreadsheet, which provides a lot of data. You know, it's very difficult to form conclusions using statistics from the first game or two. At some point, you do have to make the decision as to when the statistics are somewhat meaningful. The problem that you have early in the season is that you play a lot of those FCS teams and you win games by 40 points. And it takes a while for those statistics to sort of flatten out and sort of lose their impact as far as perhaps being a little bit misleading. So three, four games into the season in the colleges is generally the starting point for when I like to start relying on current season numbers as far as being able to uh, not have any one game have an unusually strong impact that might that might lead you to misleading conclusions. Well, like a good fresh pot of coffee in the morning, the stats are percolating right now with these teams having a few games under their belt. Check out 
The Logical Approach newsletter this week online at thelogicalapproach.com for Andy's first NFL spreadsheet games, college football games as well, to find out what's going on statistically in the world of football this season. And with that, Andy, we know there's a lot going on in Vegas with three major contests on tap this year with the Circa joining both the Westgate Superbook and the Golden Nugget contest here. Any news noteworthy that you have from the Super Book Contest, from that in the gold contest of what happened last week and what we should be aware of this particular week? Well, actually, Mark, there's a major announcement concerning the uh, Westgate Superbook Contest, and it concerns uh, essentially a reboot of the contest, giving people a, a second chance to participate. They just announced the other day that there's going to be another Superbook Contest that will cover weeks 9 through 17. It'll have a $500 entry fee. You do have to sign up in person. Once again, you can use a proxy. But if you're able to get into Las Vegas and you're not having a strong season but you want to uh, participate over the second half, you think you know uh, most, more than you're going to know than at the start of the season, that you know midway through the season what you can expect, that, that's a major announcement. It's the first time that uh, that's been done as far as any contest that uh, I'm aware of. So a little bit of a rebuy-in is the uh, – they they're calling it a reboot – is uh, major news that's been well-received so far. Now, as far as the uh, contest itself, last week, week number three, a very good week for the contestants overall. In fact, in the main Superbook contest, the top five selections were four and one. They're now ten and five on the season. The Rams were the most popular play in the contest last week. That line was three, and uh, 1,474 contestants picked the Rams. That's nearly uh, half the uh, field, a little bit under maybe about 44, 45%. The other top selection, Seattle, uh, was a losing selection. Uh, The number three selection, the Lions were winners, the Ravens were winners, and the Steelers were winners. Overall for the season, the contestants are hitting just 23 and 24 Overall, last week, they were 9-7. and seven. The uh, Super Contest Gold, uh, by the way, let me mention the leader in the uh, Westgate Super Contest, the Classic Contest. There are five contestants at 14-1. and one. 27 contestants have 13 points, and more than 100 contestants have 12 points, which is essentially a record of 12-3. and three. Uh, Looking at the Super Contest Gold, uh, the contestants there, there was one uh, tie for one of the for the uh, fifth most popular selection. So the consensus, six plays last week, five and one. That's the second time there's been a tie amongst the top five selections. 12-5 and five on the year for the consensus. Overall, for the Super Contest Gold, an outstanding performance, 27-19. and 19. Through the first three weeks, there were two games in which the sides were evenly split. So just 46 games uh, had a clear uh, uh, favored per, or preferred team in either uh, on either side, 27 and 19. The leader in the Super Contest Gold, there's one contestant uh, at 13 and 2. That's 13 points. There are 10 contestants with 12 points, another 10 at 11, and another 22 at 10. So you're looking at, I think it's 117 contestants, and here we have... Uh, 43 contestants, a little bit under half the field, certainly about uh, uh, 40% or so of the field at 10 and 5 or better. So a very strong start for the contestants in the Super Contest Gold. You mentioned the new Circa Contest. Uh, They had 1,875 entries this year in their uh, first uh, season. The consensus, 5 and 0. In the uh, circuit contest this week, winners were the Rams, the Lions, the Ravens, the Texans, and the Steelers. For the year, the uh, top five selections in the circuit contest, 9, 5, and 1. 
overall 24, 22, and 1. So as a slight winning uh, percentage, just a little bit under as far as uh, net units is concerned, just a minus 0.2 units if you follow the overall recommendations. The leader? 13 of a possible 15 points through three weeks, three contestants at that level. There are 10 more at 12 and a half, 10 at 12, 33 at 11 and a half points, and 58 at 11. So another strong showing over 100 contestants, uh, hitting uh, roughly 70% or better in the uh, circuit contest. The Golden Nugget contest, that's the contest where it covers both college and pro football. You pick seven selections a week against the spread, so there have been 21 selections already made this contest. The one leader is at 17-3-1. That's 17 and a half points. Two contestants are at 17, another three at 16, and overall 47 of the 282 contestants, or basically one-sixth of the field, hitting 67% or more after three weeks in the Golden Nugget contest. Good review, Andy. Let me ask you this question. Uh, you mentioned 117 entries in the gold contest at the Superbook, uh, is that up or down from last year? I think it's a little bit down, if I'm if I'm right. It's, it's I think it's down slightly. I, I believe it was something. I want to say about 125 last year. So okay. it is down slightly. That does carry the 500. Uh, excuse me, the 5,000 uh, dollar entry fee. It is a winner take all. So it's still going to be over a half million dollar uh, payday. Uh, but I I think possibly part of it may be the fact that. The new circuit contest came up. They allowed three entries per for a contestant in the circuit contest. So, see, people may have been deciding, you know what, I want to spread my entry fee around, and only one person's going to win uh, the uh, the super contest gold. And I always tell people, I say, you know, if you're going to enter the super contest gold, that's fine. Make sure you back it up with entries in either or. Uh, or and the uh, regular super contest uh, or the uh, and or the circuit contest because you know if you finish second in the super contest gold you get nothing but if you have that same record in the other two contests you're going to collect a five and possibly even a six figure payday that's a real good point andy and that's probably one of the reasons like you say a good reason why the entries did not supersede last year's gold contest entries largely i think largely due to the circuit being around this year and spreading those entries around. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas as we get the Vegas vibe on what's going on in this National Football League and college cards this week. And Andy, as you always do, I know our listeners would like to know what line moves you may have seen this week and perhaps what you've seen as far as advanced lines were sent out by the Westgate for next week's games in addition. Yeah, well, Mark, there, there really weren't a significant number of line moves between the advanced lines and what we've seen posted and uh, movement uh, uh, through the uh, first few days of wagering for week four. Uh, the Thursday night game between Philadelphia and Green Bay, however, did have an interesting line move. The advanced line had Green Bay a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Of course, they won at home against the uh, Denver Broncos, while Philadelphia struggled in its loss at home to the Detroit Lions, all banged up are the Eagles. When that line came back up on on a Sunday afternoon here in Vegas, uh, the Packers were up to four and a half point favorites. It's been bet down slightly, so Green Bay now for the Thursday night game, just a four point uh, home favorite. Uh, perhaps uh, well, another interesting move was the Cleveland Baltimore game. Uh, last week, the advanced line had Baltimore a three and a half point home favorite over the Browns. 
And, of course, Baltimore went into Kansas City where they were expected to lose. They did lose. They rallied. And it was an interesting game as far as the point spread concerns because the line actually went down to Kansas City four and a half after being six, six and a half most of the week. So the books got a bit middled in that one. Uh, and, of course, uh, Cleveland uh, had had uh, their effort Sunday night. Now, when the line came back up Sunday afternoon before the Sunday night game, Baltimore was a five-and-a-half-point home favorite, up from three-and-a-half. And then after the uh, Cleveland effort against uh, the Rams, where they were uh, outplayed uh, but still had a chance to, uh, to, to win the game late, uh, Baltimore came back up as a seven-point home favorite. We're probably going to be talking about uh, these teams all year as far as interesting line moves, and that's Miami and the New York Jets. The Jets have a bye this week. Uh, the underground sources tell me the bye is a four-and-a-half-point favorite in that one, and it's gone up to five. But uh, in all seriousness, for the Chargers at the, the Dolphins, the advanced line had the Chargers 16-and-a-half-point road favorites. Of course, Miami lost and failed to cover at Denver. The Chargers lost at home, were upset as a short three, three-and-a-half-point favorite by the uh, Houston Texans. When that line came up uh, Sunday afternoon, uh, they did make an adjustment, again, more so negative against Miami. Instead of 16-and-a-half, the line was reposted with the Chargers' 17-point road favorites. And perhaps looking at the, the Chargers' rather dull efforts in the first three games of the season, including uh, the loss at Detroit and the loss to Houston, and the fact that they really haven't been putting a lot of points up on the board, asking them to lay 17 for a team that doesn't score that many is asking a lot. So probably a move more against the Chargers than on Miami, but that line has gone from 17 down to uh, uh, 15 and a half. One more interesting move worth talking about, the Kansas City Chiefs at the Detroit Lions, only because it happened during the week. Uh, last week when this line came up, Kansas City was a four-and-a-half-point road favorite at Detroit, and they drew some action in the uh, pre-Sunday uh, betting. And Kansas City was a six-point uh, road favorite when they took the game off Sunday morning. When the game got reposted Sunday afternoon, uh, Kansas City, of course, with the win over Baltimore at home and Detroit with their upset win at Philadelphia, only a slight adjustment, understandably so, Kansas City reposted as a six and a half point favorite. And I believe the betting action on this game will be that the Sharps are going to wait as long as possible to see plus seven and take the Lions at plus seven. And then, and then it moves back down to six and a half and the public will be all over the Kansas City Chiefs at minus six and a half. Uh, those are the significant line moves related to the advanced lines. And I'll go over the advanced lines for week five. Uh, in week five, two more buys. The Detroit Lions and Miami Dolphins will not be uh, playing in week five. The Thursday night game, an attractive matchup. The Rams at the Seahawks. This NFC West divisional battle has the Rams a one-and-a-half-point road favorite at Seattle. Sunday, October 6th, another divisional battle in the AFC North. Baltimore, three-point favorite at Pittsburgh. Chicago and Oakland will be getting together at London. This will be a 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern start. I don't think we get into the uh, earlier starts uh, for London games until a few weeks hence. The Bears, six-point neutral side favorites over the Raiders. By the way, this was originally an Oakland home game, so Oakland will be playing only seven true home games this season. Arizona at Cincinnati. The Cincinnati Bengals, a four-point a home favorite in this one. I'll be interested to see how this line moves if Arizona has a good effort uh, this weekend against uh, uh, hosting Seattle. We may see that line come down a little bit. It does seem a little high initially on first thought. Arizona is one of those teams with a rookie quarterback. You can expect to show some progress as the season 
uh, wears on. Jacksonville at Carolina. Carolina, a three-point home favorite at minus 120. So Jacksonville plus three, even money. Minnesota at the New York Giants. We might see some movement in this one only because we don't know you know, what the performance Daniel Jones will put up in uh, with this coming week's game at home against Washington. Will he validate what he showed against Tampa Bay? Or will uh, Minnesota have seen something on film that allows them to adjust? Nonetheless, uh, it's in this no-man's land. Minnesota, a five-and-a-half-point road favorite at the Giants. The New England Patriots, double-digit road favorites at the Washington Redskins. New England favored by 13. No line on the Jets at Philadelphia. I mentioned the Jets have uh, the bye this week. Uh, we don't know if Sam Darnold will make a quicker return than expected from mononucleosis and be able to start for the Jets in that game. Likewise, multiple Philadelphia injuries have uh, this being a concern for putting up a line 10 days in advance. New Orleans will host Tampa Bay. In NFC South divisional matchup, the Saints six and a half point home favorites. Interconference matchup, Houston will be hosting the Atlanta Falcons. Houston favored by four and a half. Tennessee will be hosting Buffalo, undefeated Buffalo. Will they be undefeated next week after facing uh, New England? Uh, we'll we'll find out. If so, this line could move. Tennessee a one point home favorite over Buffalo. The LA Chargers host the Denver Broncos in an AFC divisional, AFC West divisional matchup. Chargers six and a half point home favorites. An attractive matchup, possibly a preview of an NFC championship game. The Dallas Cowboys hosting the Green Bay Packers. Dallas, a four-point home favorite. Wouldn't be surprised if action this week drives that one down to three. Indianapolis at Kansas City, possibly an AFC playoff preview. Kansas City, an eight-and-a-half-point favorite over the Indianapolis Colts. That's a Sunday night game in week five. Monday night, Hey, the Cleveland Browns, primetime once again. They're at San Francisco. The 49ers, a four-point uh, home favorite. Keep in mind, of course, in that game, San Francisco will be coming off their bye week. Andy Isco with an update of what's going on in Las Vegas as far as the line moves were concerned and a look ahead to the posted lines from the Westgate in the next week's National Football League side of things. And, Victor, before I ask Andy his complimentary play on the show, I know you've got a question you'd like to run by him as well. You know, Andy, in the first two weeks of the season, the uh, uh, flavor of the day, the soup du jour, was mustache mania. It was uh, Minshew mania. Gardner Minshew, the rookie quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars, he's kind of been upstaged over the last few days by the guy that you just touched on, Daniel Jones from Duke, his first start for the New York Giants. He rallied them to a win over Tampa Bay. I don't know if it was because of him that they won. It may have been Tampa who gave the game away. Tampa still outstatted the Giants by over 100 yards in that, that game. The horrific Giants defense allowed 499 total yards, and Tampa was forced to kick field goals rather than TDs. That came back to haunt them. My question, Andy, is that game this week, the Giants playing the Redskins, has shown the most significant jump in terms of the point spread and the over-under line. I'm showing... Giants opened up one and a half. They're up to minus three. And the over-under line opened 46 all the way up to 49. If I was considering betting the over in that game, has the value been uh, sucked away from us? And should I look elsewhere? 
Well, I, I think we could take a look at that at, in two perspectives. Actually, the, the the last week line had the Giants as two. Then they went to three before Sunday, and the, the move in the total is a, a lot more significant. And I can understand the, the the move in the total when you consider that the Giants still have defensive vulnerabilities. The over makes sense from the other standpoint that Daniel Jones may continue to show improvement, meaning that he's going to even be more efficient at directing the uh, Giants' offense. Washington's defense has a little bit of a concern. Their balance. Their offense is very much unbalanced. I think they're still averaging under 50 rushing yards per game. Uh, the passing has been uh, very so-so. There have been calls for Dwayne Haskins to take over uh, for uh, uh, Case Keenum, but the move has not been made. Uh, Washington somewhat being uh, a bit stubborn in that respect. When I look at these two teams coming in, the Giants seem to have the harmonious locker room right now. They seem to be uh, all on the same page. The defense is showing signs of improvement uh, despite uh, the statistics that you quoted from last week's game, we're starting to see the players a lot more comfortable with the positioning and, and the the, uh, uh, the game plans being devised. Washington, on the other hand, is a team that's now, as I mentioned, its own quarterback controversy. They are a team uh, in, in turmoil. So the question is whether the Washington offense can take advantage of the defensive vulnerabilities shown by the Giants and whether the Giants can show that continued offensive uh, improvement that one would expect. Now, of course, uh, Saquon Barkley is going to be out for uh, possibly as much as two months for the Giants, and that will affect the Giants' ability to run the football, but it also may mean they may have to pass the football a bit more. I'd be more inclined to still lean over the total in this game, again, we saw five turnovers last week by Keenum. Uh, the Giants now, I think, have a kind of offense that can take advantage of that. Of course, the one thing with turnovers that you don't often hear mentioned, but it's very important, where do those turnovers occur? Do the Giants turn the ball over if they've, after they've marched 50 yards downfield and turn it over on the Washington 25? Or do they turn it down, turn it over on the first play of a series on their own 25? So that's an important factor when uh, considering the uh, – possible implications of turnovers. Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas with an observation on what's going on in the world of football these days. Andy, before we let you go, I know our listeners would like to know if you've got another Minnesota Vikings complimentary play on tap this week, which rolled last week over the Oakland Raiders. Well, uh, we needed that one after a couple of duds the first two weeks. I threatened to go to college football if we uh, did not have success last week in Minnesota. <laughs> we did. So I'm going to stay in the NFL, and I'm actually going to go uh, on a team that I went against last week. Uh, I uh, liked the Indianapolis Colts last week, laying that very short price under a field goal against the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, they uh, held on to cover. Uh, did the did the Colts win the game uh, 27-24? But I like what I saw out of Atlanta in the second half of that game. They were totally outplayed in the first half, down 20-3. to And then in the second half, it was a very interesting second half because, if I recall correctly, there were only uh, uh, five or six drives total in the second half. Atlanta had three of those drives, took up nearly 20 minutes of clock in scoring three touchdowns, including uh, a drive that lasted almost 10 minutes. And when they're showing that kind of ball control, uh, more deliberate passing on the part of Matty Ryan, uh, finding Julio Jones at the right time in the right spot. Uh, Atlanta has 
generally been a much better play at home than they have been on the road. In fact, that's the case this year. They won their lone home game, the Sunday night game against the Eagles. They've lost both road games opening the season with a loss at Minnesota. And then, of course, last week at uh, at, at Indianapolis. So I'm going to look this week at the Atlanta Falcons to bounce back in uh, their preferred situation uh, playing at home. Uh, they're hosting you know, a, a very good team. Uh, in the um, Tennessee Titans, but I'd say Tennessee has still been a bit more of a disappointment. I like the quarterback edge at home enjoyed by Matty Ryan over Marcus Mariota. I'm going to lay the four points and look for Atlanta to get a 7-10 to point win. Andy Isco likes Matty Ryan, Matty Ice over Marcus Mariota. He'll lay the points with the Falcons for his complimentary play on the show this week. Andy, once again, a great job on the show. As always, I'm going to wish you the very best of luck this week. Hope the ball bounces your way, and we'll catch up with you next week here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Thank you, Mark. I wish you, Victor, and all of our listeners the best of success this weekend. That was Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And don't go away, guys. When we come back, we'll put the final wraps on the show when Victor and I share our awesome angle of the week and our complimentary plays when we're back with the final segment here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread in just a few moments. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as an apple and g as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest, only the best, only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. And now, the moment you've been waiting for. From the hot South Florida sun, it's Mark Lawrence with his awesome angle of the week. All right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week in college football this week, and it's going to sound the same as it did last week. It's the same angle we did. We call it help. comes directly from our black book, playbook black book, when we did the Beatles and um, previewed their song help and basically worked it around a college football theme. What we're looking to do is to play on any one and two home team in game four of the college football season that was a bowl team last year and is coming off a win. One and two teams that open up the season with with two losses and then finally win that first football game, score at home in game four. It didn't work for us last week with the Miami Hurricanes. They come up a bit flat laying all that lumber. This week, however, we're going to take points with South Florida in our help role this week for our awesome angle play. We'll play South Florida plus the points against SMU for our awesome angle play on the football card this Saturday. With that, let's hand it over to Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out what Victor's got on tap this week at King Creole Sports and his complimentary play on the show this week. If you would, Victor, do the honors. Sure thing. First, we'll uh, we'll flip the switch on on the uh, hype machine for the week. And uh, we got a big one going in the NFL this week. Five-star game of the month from our King Creole service. As always, it's a totals play, and as usually is the case, it's a game in which we're going over the total on Sunday, a game in which I think the line is off by at least 10 points. Uh, We had a real nice 
last week game, the four-star game of the week on Carolina and Arizona over the total. I'm feeling equally confident, even a little bit more, for us to bump this up to five-star best bet status. So, again, it's our five-star NFL game of the month. It's going over the total, and it is already up for sale at the playbook.com website. Mark's got a big one in college football this week, five-star college football game of the month. Let's not forget the uh, family of playbook newsletters, all three off winning weeks last week. That's the playbook newsletter, the first issue, the midweek alert, and the totals tip sheet as well. And with the uh, hype kind of out of the way, I just want to throw out something for a minute or two there. I got a touching phone call yesterday from a a total tip sheet client and a guy who's been a playbook client for easily 15 years. And it was from a Lewis out in Colorado. As you know, by now, in addition to the totals tip sheet being the only publication in the country that deals with weekly NFL totals, gambling exclusively, I've always had some sort of a theme associated with doggies, with dogs. For a while there, it was uh, Luke who was in the newsletter, and then it was Speedy who was in the newsletter, and then my wife's dog, and then uh, we incorporated Monkey, and in fact, even this season, we threw in a second dog, and that dog being Tuco. There's been numerous times when we have lost our dogs. In fact, my wife and I have, uh, four years ago, we had you know four dogs in our family, And in each of the last three years, we've lost one of those dogs. Three years ago, it was my wife's dog, uh, Joey, her dachshund. Two years ago, it was our dog, Speedy, who uh, was loved. Earlier this year, it was our Chihuahua, Chi-Chi. And those times get very, very difficult. And I can thank a lot of the readers and subscribers of the tip sheet for sending cards, for sending an email for picking up the phone and talking to me over the phone. I thank many of those people who have made that loss a little bit easier to bear. And to Lewis out in Colorado, who lost his best friend, Rocky, last fall, I want to say, hang in there, Lewis. I I know it's very, very difficult, but if you ever want to pick up the phone and talk to somebody about that loss of the family member, You can call me here in the playbook offices. I know it's been almost a year now, Lewis. Talk to family members. Talk to friends. Express your feelings. Get the grief out. And then, you know what, Lewis? I know we're getting a little bit older, but consider adding another companion to your family. We did that in the spring with uh, our boy Tuco. We're back up to two dogs in the house, Tuco and Monkey. And uh, he's rambunctious, and he's a tormentor, and he's a lot of problems, but he's a lot of love as well. So, again, I want to tell Lewis out in Colorado, hang in there, my friend. I'm thinking about you a lot. And with that said, we're going to throw the ball to our new boy, Tuco, whose new nickname is now 3-0 Tuco because he won <laughs> last week when he said to go under the total with the Oakland Raiders under 17 points, and Minnesota held the Oakland Raiders down to only 14 points. 3-0 Tuco this week is heading out west, and we are going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers-LA Rams game. Based on the point spread, Rams minus 10, over-under, right at about 50. The expected final score in this game, according to the odds makers, is 30-20. to 20. 
And Tuco's going L.A. Rams over the total of 30 points. This is a perfect situation for the Rams. They were held to only 20 last week in that Sunday night game against Cleveland. Their offense breaks out this week against the very poor defense of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. One thing I'm going to say, Tampa has improved in their rush defense this season. They certainly have. But you can still pass all day long on the Buccaneers. Just ask Danny Dimes of the New York Giants who threw all day long against the Buccaneers. Again, sharp over-under betters, they're probably aware that the of the highest-scoring home teams on offense last season. But who was number one? It wasn't the Saints, who averaged 31.6. It wasn't the Chiefs, who averaged 32.1. It was not even the Patriots, who averaged 33.8 at home. It was actually the L.A. Rams, who averaged a whopping 36 points per game in their home games last season. On the flip side, let's look at the highest or worst scoring defenses on the road last season. Miami allowed 32.5 points per game in the road game. San Francisco, 32.7. Kansas City, 34.6, but in dead last place at 35.7 points per allowed in their road games. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. With the Rams, one of the chalkiest home teams this week, along with a high over-under line. From the database, we have NFL non-division home favorites of 10 or more points, with the over-under line is 46 or more, have averaged 34.1 at home in the last four years. Tuco is going over the total. That's the Rams, over 30 points, late afternoon kickoff. Tuco's team total of the week And finally, don't forget King's five-star NFL Game of the Month, already available at playbook.com. Victor Tuco goes, 3-0 Tuco goes over the Rams' total of 30 points for his complimentary play on the show this week. You can read all about Tuco in the Playbook Totals tip sheet, which has been on a major role the last two weeks. And also check out Victor's five-star NFL Totals Game of the Month this Sunday, available right now online at playbook.com. And before I get to my complimentary play on the show this week, two quick notes here. First of all, from our friends at mybookie.ag, they're offering a free sign-up bonus to any Playbook subscribers who logs on to mybookie.ag and simply enter the promo code PLAYBOOK or call them toll-free at 1-844-866-BETS. That's 1-844-866-2387 to get your bonus when you sign up at mybookie.ag and mention the promo code PLAYBOOK. Also, one quick note here, my dear friend Mort Olson from the Gold Sheet passed away in 2003 on September 29th, which will be coming up this upcoming week here. And I want to, in a note of remembrance to Mort Olson here, he was a pioneer in the sports handicapping industry. The Gold Sheet was, for the longest time, at top of the class as far as sports gaming information goes in its day, and it was all because of Mort Olson. I used to read the gold sheet when I was in high school. That's when I got interested in this profession here, and I just happened to got a note from Legacy.com. I had signed his uh, book when he had passed away, and he reminded me if I wanted to send another remembrance to Mort Olson, and I will, will do just that, but it was September 29, 2003. He was married 51 years to his wife, Sylvia, when he passed away. Always in good remembrance, Mort Olson from the Gold Sheet. I wanted to pass that along. 
one quick note here, guys, also that Victor mentioned our five-star college football game of the month will kick off this Saturday. You can get it online, part of another $99 football weekend of winners when you log on at playbook.com or call me toll-free at 1-800-321-7777. Better yet, you can score the Playbook five-star game of the month this Saturday free of charge if you're a Playbook newsletter football subscriber. All you need to do is to call the Playbook Weekend Update call this Saturday anytime after 10 a.m. Eastern to get the five-star game of the month at no charge. Or if you haven't subscribed to the Playbook Football Newsletter this year, you can do so now and get the five-star college game of the month as a free no-charge bonus. Call the Playbook offices toll-free at 1-800-PLAYBOOK to do so. You'll be glad you did. With that, my complimentary play on the football card this week, we come up with a losing side last week with Louisville, plus the points against Florida State in a real tough football loss. Louisville was a six-and-a-half-point dog against Florida State, who, after trailing 21 to nothing, rallied to take a 24-21 lead on the Seminoles before Florida State before they finally rallied back to win and cover the game in the very, very late stages of the football game. The bottom line is this Florida State is still not a very good football team. They're being out-yarded 22 yards a game this football season. That's in direct correlation to an NC State football team that's outgaining their opponents 156 net yards per game. This is a huge statistical mismatch when it comes to stats on the playing field. You'll note NC State has beat the money 12 of the last 14 years inside this series. And you're looking at Dave Doran, a head coach from NC State, who has gone 33-11 straight up in his first five games of the season in his career, including 7-1 straight up, 6-2 to the number in those games when he's taking an opponent off a win and cover. Better offense, better defense, better take the points with NC State, and I will for my complimentary play on the show this week. That's going to put the final wraps in this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. I want to thank our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports, our good friend Andy Isco from Las Vegas and TheLogicalApproach.com for joining us for another great job on the show as always, and for our good friend Jack Reynolds, who I know is listening from above. Until next week, once again, this is Mark Lawrence. Remind you to always remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always. <laughs>